Hey, Drew Dixon here, back with you for another Bible Thump. I'm the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd, and uh, let's jump into the Bible and hopefully in find some encouragement. So this is Mark 9, starting in verse 30. Then they left that place and made their way through Galilee, but he did not want anyone to know it. For Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum. When he was with, uh, when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. He took a child and had him sit among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. So um, another passage in Mark's gospel where Jesus is really um, forcing his disciples to come to terms with the fact that he's going to suffer and die and rise again. Um and once again, we see that the disciples don't fully get it. I mean, remember we saw Peter like rebuke Jesus for saying he was going to suffer and die. Um, because in the minds of the disciples, this was really hard to stomach. This was really hard to accept that the Messiah, who they believe Jesus to be. I mean, Peter said that about Jesus. Jesus said, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one who's going to establish the kingdom of God on earth. Like they believed that Jesus was establishing the kingdom of God. What they couldn't fathom was a kingdom or the kingdom of God being established through the means of self-sacrifice and through the means of suffering at the hands of who they believed to be God's enemies. I mean, Romans, Gentiles, um, these people were unclean and they were seen to be enemies of God. And in fact, many Jews in Jesus' day, not all, but many saw that as something that needed to be taken care of for a kingdom to be established. And like, let's not look down on anyone for thinking that way. We really shouldn't. You, If you look down on people for thinking that way in Jesus' day, I mean, you need to, um, you need to do a little bit more research because like, that's, these were oppressed people. Uh, the Jewish people in Jesus' day felt oppressed by Rome, um, and they were oppressed by Rome. Like they weren't, they didn't have a lot of them weren't citizens. A lot of them weren't treated like citizens. Um, they were treated as foreign people in a foreign land and had less rights and privileges, and um, you know were taxed in ways that they felt were not fair, and treated in ways they felt were not fair. Um, they felt like second-class citizens in the world in which they lived, and um, like I think we can all say there's there's like, the, like, we get it. That's not a pleasant way to live. And so, um, but Jesus said, no, you're, I'm going to go and suffer at the hands of my oppressors. And that's how I'm going to establish the kingdom of God. And that was just like blew the disciples' minds. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. But here we see they don't understand Jesus's teaching about his suffering and death by the way that they were living. Like, we can misunderstand mentally some of the things that Jesus is about and, and, you know, his kingdom and, um, some of the truths that he te that he taught, we can just be like, I don't get it. I mean, some of the stuff Jesus teaches is tough. It's hard to understand. Um, but there's another way we cannot get it and we cannot get it in the way that we do life. Right. Um, the theology Jesus preached was always an embodied theology. 
Um, and for Jesus, right theology is embodied in the way that we do life. Um, theology that moves us to connect more deeply with the people around us, that's, that's good theology. Um, and particularly theology that moves us to set aside our own reputation to meet the needs of the people around us, to see their needs as more important than ourselves, to give of ourselves just like Jesus did to bless and support and lift up other people. That's, that's the kind of theology, theology Jesus embodied and that he calls us to embrace. So, um, Jesus preaches about his resurrection, his death and resurrection, his suffering, death and resurrection, and the disciples did not understand right? But they were afraid to ask Jesus. I always wondered, like, why? Why were they afraid? I mean, did they not want to be called Satan like Peter was? You know, get behind me, Satan. Uh, were they worried about a rebuke? Um, what kept them from asking questions? Um, I think it probably was their own pride, because what do they do next? Um, as they're on their way to Capernaum, apparently they were debating and questioning among themselves, trying to figure out who among them was the greatest. Like, they had this, again, you know, they, Jesus had been preaching and teaching about a coming kingdom. And so if there's a coming kingdom, even though they didn't get the way he was going to do with that whole death and resurrection stuff, like they totally didn't understand that. Uh, but they understood the idea of kingdom. And so if there's a kingdom that's coming, that's going to be established through Jesus, like, I mean, the human, the, a natural human response to that is to be like, hey, um, bring me with you. Like, make me important in your kingdom. I want to be a big deal in your kingdom. I want to have a, a position in your cabinet. Uh, we see this all over human history, right? Um, and you've experienced this too. Like, you know people who cozied up to someone who was important or powerful or influential um, in hopes that they would get to, you know, get a job with that person um, or, or, you know, be, be brought up, you know, ha have some a reference to the next thing that they want to do, right? Um, so, yeah, the disciples are just being human in this moment. But they came to Capernaum and, and Jesus knows what they were arguing about. And I think he's kind of disappointed. So he asked them, but they were silent because on the way they've been arguing with one another about who's the greatest. I love that they were silent because it's like, even though they didn't get the whole thing about Jesus' suffering, death and resurrection, and it, you know his self-sacrifice, even though they didn't understand that, they knew that arguing about who was the greatest like didn't jive with Jesus' value system. Like they had seen enough of Jesus's life, ministry, and teachings about humility, his teachings, his parables, his um, just like his humility in loving and serving others. Like constantly be willing to willing to be interrupted by suffering people um, to make their lives better and to invest in them and to love them and to to heal them. I mean, just previously he was interrupted by someone with a with a demon whom he met in the midst of their lack of faith, you know, help my unbelief in that moment. Jesus does, and he heals this person. So um, they knew that uh, arguing about who is the greatest was like, wasn't right, <laughs> but they were still doing it. Um, I think that's where a lot of us are, isn't it? Is like we, we know um, our value system doesn't line up with Jesus completely. And yet, and yet we can't help ourselves, right? Uh, to continue kind of buying into very broken human ways of thinking that focus on putting ourselves first and exalting ourselves. We just have this like natural broken human tendency to lift ourselves up and to look out for ourselves 
and to um, like just constantly be worried that we're not doing enough to lift ourselves up and get ourselves ahead, right? Um, and so Jesus brings a child in front of them all um, and, and basically uses this child as an object lesson, right? He says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So Jesus completely flips the script on our value system, on the natural human value system, and says, the way to greatness, the way to uh, a life that matters, a life that really makes a difference in the world, and that, that you know, honors God, like, it comes by putting yourself last and seeing yourself as a servant of everyone that's radical. Like what if you lived like every person in your life was worthy of your time, energy, attention, money, that they were worthy of, of your service. That's pretty radical. There's so many people that we write off or just feel like we don't have time for, or maybe even we think that we're superior to, like if we're honest, um, but Jesus changes that value system. And he says, whoever welcomes one child such as this in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but him who sent me. And so um, the point of bringing this child in is that children are really vulnerable. I think that's the point anyway, is that children are really vulnerable and really needy. Um, I don't know if you have children or not, but I do. I have three of them. And something that I'm confronted with every day is like how much they need me and their mom. Um, now, of course, as they get older, like they get more independent and all that kind of stuff. But like there's so much that my three-year-old can't do um, and sometimes just refuses to do because he's very um, difficult. <laughs> but uh, he, he needs our help. Um, we're still potty training him, so he needs our help to clean up his his diapers, <laughs> right? Um, at night anyway, we're getting there during the day. Uh, but he needs our help to eat. Like he would eat the worst possible food, uh, if we didn't kind of monitor his diet, right. And try to get him to eat something decent. Even then it's difficult with him, but there's so, so many things that he can't do on his own. And that he needs us for, they needs our guidance, protection and, and, and help, um, and that's a picture of every human being before God. We are so needy, right? Um, and so the kind of life we're called to live as we recognize that is a life that, that sees ourselves as having something to give to other people, right? Yes, you're needy spiritually, but um, you also have a lot to give because you bear God's image, because Jesus has revealed himself to you, because um, you belong to him like that. All, that you're immediately, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're immediately equipped with the Holy Spirit with so much to offer and to give to the people around you. So let's embody our theology. Let's embody what we live about Jesus. I think there's two common mistakes that followers of Jesus can make um, uh, these days, or just in general. This is, these mistakes have been made for all of history. One is that we focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus only. And the second is that we focus only on the life of Jesus. Um, if you focus only on the death and resurrection of Jesus, you will think that the Christian life is only about getting people saved. It's only about salvation and you will neglect to see the children among you who need help. And when I say children, I don't just mean actual children, but you'll fail to see the vulnerable people among you who need your help, need your protection, need whatever resources, um, 
time, money, whatever it is that you have to give to help them out of the slump that they're in, out of their difficulty and into the light of, of Jesus. You'll fail to see um, the least of these that need your love and support and, and just attention, just your care. Um, if you focus only on the life of Jesus, that's a popular thing to do these days. Um, you might fail to keep your focus on Jesus and you might fail to keep a hopeful perspective about the world. Um, if we, if we don't recognize the significance of Jesus's death and resurrection, and we only focus on living out and embodying his life, um, I think this is what happens a lot of times. The world will beat the hope right out of you. We live in a broken world where there are so many opportunities to lose hope. Um, I mean, I've talked to missionaries, right, who've um, gone into difficult places in the world to do ministry. And uh, they've been so discouraged because the people they part, they partner with these missions organizations and things that um, are really only about money. Like, I, I hate to say it, but it's true. Like, this happens a lot. And they get so discouraged because they partner with this group and come to find out this group was really just trying to to make a buck, you know? They weren't really interested in helping the communities that they were in, serving the communities they were in, um, loving and pointing the communities they were in to Jesus. Um, man, the world will beat the hope right out of you. So, um, yes, while I think we should all embody the love of Jesus in our relationships with other people and our service to the needy and vulnerable, um, we've got to remember the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, otherwise, you know, what's going to happen is that we will start to define what our mission is rather than letting Jesus guide, shape, and define what our mission in life is. Um, we'll think that we get to be in control. Um, so we need to keep those two things in focus. Like Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a big deal. Um, and it makes salvation possible. Um, it's a really big deal. But his life is a really big to deal too. So Jesus, I think in the gospel here in Mark, and he's doing this constantly, but he's trying to help his disciples connect the dots between the significance of his life, of his death and resurrection with the significance of his life. He wants them to make the connection between how his coming sacrifice on the cross, his death and his resurrection, and then the way he's been giving and giving and giving of himself to cast out demons, to heal the dead, to, to raise the dead, to um, just love and serve people. Um, how those two things are absolutely um, inseparable. Like we can't separate those things or we have an impoverished, like broken, messed up view of what it means to follow Jesus. So um, let's work on both of those things, right? Let's, um, let's strive to know exactly who Jesus is and exactly the kinds of things that he did um, and, and the significance of that for us now and for eternity, but let's, let's pray. God, don't let me just be a person that understands those things and gets them right. But let me be a person who understands those things. And those things just press me out into the world as someone who's just giving and giving and giving to vulnerable people and, and looking for ways to lift up people and give more of myself, um, to more, to more people so that they might be pointed to Jesus. Let me be someone who sees myself as the servant of everybody. That's who Jesus was, right? And that's a tall order. 
but by God's grace, I think you and I can take a step today towards being more like Jesus, right? That's our hope. Thanks for your time. I am praying for you as you think through what that might look like for you, that God would give you grace. God would give you wisdom. He would give you clarity. He would show you one way you can be the servant of all today. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.